0: Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show.
1: And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Kent Britton. Kent, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
2: Hey, Jim, thanks for having me.
1: Well, I want to start with kind of the beginning. You have been at the Port of Corpus Christi in a previous role, the Chief Financial Officer, lots of experience, uh, as I mentioned earlier. You have a CPA a background, accounting. You're you're very, very seasoned in this area. And we're already at the helm of the port for quite some time when the immediate past CEO, Sean Strawbridge, announced his departure and you were made interim. So I want to start with just tell our listeners a little bit about, this was a somewhat of an unexpected announcement, but it wasn't like the port went through some crazy exchange. You were already there. Your leadership was already there. Tell me a little bit about what happened when Sean left. How easy was it for you guys to maneuver in this very uncharted water, if you will? Sure, I'd
2: be happy to. So the interesting thing is Sean Sean did a great job of assembling a management team here that remains intact. So I stepped up from the CFO role, which I'd been doing for about four years, into the interim CEO role. Um, While that was a little bit new for me, um, you know, we continue to work collaboratively as a team. And so I'm not here making decisions uh, solely by myself. Obviously, I will if I have to, but we've got a great team that handles their area of responsibilities. And we're going to try to, we're going to do our best to keep that team intact. Before this, I you know, I, I had been at the Ford another two years before that, actually, as the director of finance. So I've got over six years here at the Port. Before that, I had been here in the Corpus area uh, as a customer of the board was the CFO over at Sherwin Illumina, which was an alumina manufacturing uh, plant owned by Glenport
1: Well that's kind of important to you because you already have roots and you're committed to the community. Why it's important for me to interview you since you're just just was named the permanent CEO congratulations was is the fact that it's important that we have People who are of the community, when we talk about the Port of Corpus Christi being one of the most, if not the most important port in North America, when we talk about oil, gas, and the whole energy transition evolution, which we'll get into in the show, it's really important that we have somebody understand South Texas and its roots.
2: So I agree with you on that. And I I had done two trips, uh, two tours, I guess, into Texas previously with Alcoa as well and worked up near uh, Rockdale, Texas, which is kind of the middle of the state at a, um, aluminum power plant for a couple of years and then worked in Victoria, Texas, actually working, at, uh, out in Point Comfort, Texas for a couple of years also. Uh, then we had kind of gone back to the East coast, which is where my family is from and where I'm originally from and spent, uh, I guess eight years there before I, before I came back. So now I've been here 11 years. I raised my kids here. They were in second and fourth grade when I got here. It's kind of amazing to think I just packed the youngest one off to college.
1: Um, yeah. They so, they grow fast.
2: Yeah, it was amazing. It really was amazing. But so yeah, we've raised our kids here. We love this community. Um, I have a really strong affinity for the port itself and also for the people that work here. And so, you know, I'm just I'm honored and humbled to be given uh, the opportunity to do this job in the shepherd, this organization. I'm only the I'm only the eighth executive director or CEO in the port's history, you know, almost a hundred years now.
1: Yeah.
2: And so when James Boyd was hired in nineteen twenty five, I mean Everyone, this is a big job. It's important for Corpus Christi. It was important then in a little bit different way, right? It's mainly a a cotton and agricultural port. Um, it's got a huge role right now in the export of American produced energy, mm-hmm. and I take it very seriously. I'm going to work my tail off.
1: Well, prior to Sean leaving, we had him on the show a lot, and that's just because <laughs> of the connection with oil, natural gas, the exporting, helping um, our listeners understand. The administrations, the exporting ban when it was lifted, and all of really truly the lobbying in in ways, education, if you will, that you all were having to do to get some of these port projects and to actually um, become the port, the energy port of the United States, if you will, or of America. So, so let's dig into some of what's going on there. Now that we know that you're there to stay, you're one of uh, Texas or South Texan. You're committed to the community. Um, I want to start with. Give us an update on the oil and gas. Um, How large is it at the Port of Corpus Christi currently? Because you guys are really knocking down some serious numbers with tonnage and exporting of natural gas and stuff. Sure.
2: So, for for this year, we're going to do about 2.2 million barrels a day of crude oil export. Uh, That's up about 300,000 barrels a day from last year. Uh, Overall, overall, we finished our uh, fifth consecutive year of record tonnage last year in 2022. Um, our customers uh continue to move increasing amounts of product, not just doing oil and gas, but I mean we do other things as well. We're moving right. military goods, we're moving wind components, we move agriculture, uh, materials needed to produce um other materials that then go into the drilling process. Um, but it's been it's been oil and gas, it's been liquid energy. Um, both on the crude oil side and on liquefied natural gas, where we're doing about 15 million DCF uh, out of the Chenier facility, out on the Lakeitha Channel. Um, our customers continue to remain strong in oil and gas. That's not slowing down at all, and we think there's another leg up on that. Chenier uh, publicly you know, has said they've already started uh, construction on phase three, which is going to increase the capacity um, of that facility significantly. <laughs> and we are anticipating or hoping that uh, there'll be additional expansions in the crude oil pipelines that, that come down here. Cause that's becoming somewhat of the limiting capacity for crude oil exports down here.
1: And my job as you know, to talk on the radio about oil and gas and explain to the, our listeners how important energy is to us, but also it's important to be providing uh energy needs to the world, too. our allies. There's been a lot of changes, a lot of things that have occurred. um, And it really makes the Port of Corpus Christi stand out of being an extremely important port when we talk about energy and helping our allies and provide the world. You were there at the time when the ban actually was in place and then lifted back in the Obama administration, if I'm not mistaken. I just want you to briefly talk to us about how, how you saw that transition spin up very quickly for the Port of Corpus Christi and being able to take advantage of that ban being lifted?
2: Well, obviously the, uh, the exports that were going out of here when the ban was in place were, you know, nothing. And so we grew to, uh, literally, I don't know, 100,000 barrels a day the first year after the ban was lifted. And as I said, it's now gone up to 2.2 2 million barrels per day, likely goes even higher. You know, there's about 4.6 million barrels a day that got exported off the Gulf Coast in total this Mm -hmm. past month. So we've got a, we've got a, you know, 58, 59% market share, uh, of what's going on there. Obviously, as the pipeline constraints, um, start to hit us and the production continues out of, uh, Eagle Ford and the Permian, uh, some of that will move to Houston. Uh, so I think our percentage market share will, will drop a little bit. But no one was anticipating a land war in Europe when yes. it happened. And so the, the the companies that work here uh in the Port of Corpus Christi have have their facilities here were able to pivot fairly quickly and fill a very significant gap that was existing amongst our allies in Europe. Uh a gap that could have had dire implications as they went into the winter if they were not able to be supplied. And so, you know, we're proud of the customers that, that call the Port of Corpus Christi home and their ability to, to do that. And it's going to continue to play a place, uh, continue to play a part rather in, um, in what goes on in the next 10 years, even during the energy transition. There are, there are parts of the world that have not even gotten on the natural gas, for example. And so, um, that continues, I think, to, to be both a, a core base. Uh, fossil fuel that would be used, but also a, a key part of the energy transition that's still yet done.
1: You know, to my knowledge, there isn't another port in the United States that is actually providing the amount of energy, whether it's crude uh, natural gas, to the level that the Port of Corpus Christi is in providing our allies, our our friends, their energy needs. And it's so important when we look at what happened with Russia, Ukraine. Um, and I think the listeners now, the American people, are understanding how important our energy needs are here, but also to help our allies, because um, we certainly, you know, want to be able to provide it versus them having to go to maybe a more hostile type of regime, regime or something that, you know, it's not really good to be dealing, working with or dealing with. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the port is also, even though it's the energy port of North America. Uh, you know, the way you guys are wording it, and I can see why, you guys are also very, very diverse in how you're looking at the future of the energy evolution or transition, if you will. So we're not really transitioning, we're evolving. But you got hydrogen, carbon capture, you got a lot of things going on outside of oil and gas too. So let's, let's uh, talk a little bit about you all applied for the hydrogen hub. Tell us a little bit about uh, it was with the Department of, of Energy. There were only so many that went out.
2: We became a finalist. Uh, okay. Over over the summer, and so they, the Department of Energy whittled uh, down their list of applicants from dozens mm-hmm. uh, to a smaller group who got in in person interviews, and we were one of those. We take that to be a good sign. We expect to hear anywhere if you if you ask. It's anywhere between September and January. I think the administration clearly wants to show that they're deploying uh, the money that's been allocated to them through the various infrastructure bills passed by Congress. So I think it's important to this administration cool. to get some of this money out on the streets and actually working. We feel pretty confident right now. We we have put in a tremendous amount of work in accumulating potential subrecipients, evaluating those companies and how they'll work within uh, a hydrogen hub structure. Um, looking at where the, uh, the offtake agreements may come from and how that's going to work. Um, and how, how will it be produced economically so that there actually is a market for it, uh, yeah. that makes economic sense? Cause at the end of the day, it's got to be economically viable or it's, it's not going to survive long term. The government can prop it up for a while, but you still have to have markets that, that have supply and demand that can match up the economics to to make that work i love your word of uh, evolution because this is an energy evolution um
1: yeah, yeah. Oil and gas we'll need
2: oil <laughs> strong for long after i'm here
1: yeah me too let's take a quick break when we return i want to get back on the hydrogen hub project because there's just a little bit more i want to cover you're listening to an old radio show we'll be right back
0: Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy.
1: And we're back. You're listening to an oil patch radio show. My guest today is Kent Britton, who is the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi Kent, Before the break, you were walking us through the uh, hydrogen project or the hydrogen hub. If you will, there's a, there's partners involved. I don't know what I can get you to talk and feel comfortable about, but I'm going to try. What is the project and it's like scope some of the partners. How long will this take? Uh, that you guys see, because I've interviewed some of the universities who are also applying for a hydrogen hub. So it's very diverse by who's applying for these grants with the Department of Energy. And I want to understand a little bit more the scope of what you guys are hoping to achieve.
2: Sure. It was it was extremely interesting to see the diversity of applications that went in and how uh, different types of organizations could believe. I believe we are the only court that has applied to be a prime recipient. Uh, for hydrogen hub money. We have accumulated a group of sub-recipients. Uh, there's one academic group in there. Uh, but otherwise, they're mostly uh, commercial enterprises who are looking for, um, in some cases, seed money to kind of get their uh, their opportunity off the ground. And in other cases, just looking for some uh, some incremental help to something that will would more than likely happen, whether the hub were in place or not. But we're looking only on the, the government was looking for hydrogen production only. Uh, since we are potentially going to be exporting that energy, it'll probably go out in a form that's different than hydrogen. I think most people have, have decided that ammonia is probably the right carrier for hydrogen that can be then easily broken apart on the back end, uh, to retrieve that hydrogen or use the ammonia, uh, as its own source. But we have these organizations there. The government wants this to happen over Call it eight to twelve years, and so they'll be giving out a, a set of money in kind of, kind of, four stages. Uh, the first will be you know pre-engineering and uh, economic feasibility and determining that kind of stuff, and then then they'll move further into detailed engineering and construction and development of uh, off-take markets and, and uh, those kind of things. And so it'll be a state process. We think because of how far along we are in dealing with these customers, we're probably going to be a little faster. Uh, than the kind of a twelve year timeline government was looking at, and so we're excited uh, first step is to to get the award, and then we'll start down that process.
1: You know it's no secret any time that you want to try to get a project through uh, and you're talking about trying to get grants through the government. It's got a long process later on in the show we're going to talk about your uh, channel improvement project how long has it taken you guys to get through it but you know these projects are long in their scope and, and a lot of detail a lot of uh jumping through hoops you know you might get through one hoop but that doesn't mean you get through the second and the third making it very hard to really you know, know that you have a project that you can complete, you know, 20 years is when it's supposed to be completed or done. Or, and that's not necessarily the case when we talk about the government or, you know, federal government trying to, to, to get money. But there was a lot of money that was included in the the IRA, the Infra Reduction Act, that allowed this. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit about carbon capture because that's another word that we talk a lot about on the show. We have a lot of guests that talk about carbon capture. It's very diverse in how they're doing carbon capture, but you guys also are looking at carbon capture at the port as well. Can you give us an update on what uh, you guys, your project when we talk about carbon capture?
2: Sure. We, you know, we're, we're dealing with um, customers down here who um, are willing to do carbon capture. And so we've, We've reached uh, one lease agreement so far with a group who would do, do onshore carbon capture. They're also looking uh, to do offshore carbon capture. And so the Texas General Land Office has put out a series of RFPs and has now entered into negotiations for leases for large tracks, like really large tracks, you know, multiples, um, 10x of, of what we could potentially do onshore. So. I think there'll be, I think there'll be a mix of onshore and offshore. Ours will be onshore and I think that might be quicker to deploy. Uh, the other ones offshore though are obviously a lot larger and can hold a lot more and allow a lot more uh, freedom for how you store it and how it kind of moves underground, which it will do a little bit of. We did apply as a prime recipient for what's known as a carbon safe grant also from uh, Department of Energy, we were awarded two of those, one for onshore and one for offshore. So we were able to pass that along to a subrecipient. You know, the port, when you talk about the port, I mean, right, we we do a lot of things. Um, we don't typically engage in commercial activities like that, right? We, we will now engage through a lease with, you know, with a third party private enterprise and they'll, they'll do this. We're, we're an enabler, right? We're the, we're the sponsor of the ship channel. We're able to accumulate large tracts of land and pass those along to customers. We build docks, for example, that kind of infrastructure and maintain docks. That's the kind of that's the kind of stuff we do, and then we make sure that we do that all kind of an umbrella of, you know, community outreach and environmental compliance and, and those kind of things. So all of the carbon capture we'll be dealing with will be with you know a third party customer who will actually do all the work. There is other type types of carbon capture going on in this area, though. Uh, Oxy just recently also got a to do direct air capture, which is uh, kind of on the cutting edge of of carbon capture, and I think it's fantastic that um, companies are out there trying kind of all of these, which um, none of them have really been economically viable in the past, but I think the government, through providing a a credit for that carbon that's that's captured, is, is going to get this to a point where it is economically viable, and so we'll see these large companies jumping in and spending their money to make this happen. The One other thing I will say, Kim, is that uh, new customers who are coming to us absolutely want a carbon capture solution. So it will be a competitive advantage for whatever regions are doing.
1: You know, it's just amazing to me that I see the different ports and they all do uh, amazing work. We need our ports. They are uh, very important. We, we remember what a couple of years back when, ships were out at uh, i think it was uh in california waiting the to come Coast port careful. yeah and 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 no and finally i think the american people saw the importance of our ports and how important they are i want to get back on the topic of the diversity that you guys have versus a lot of other ports and why you guys are really a lot more focused than any other port in north america on our energy needs and the diversity that you guys have as well Uh, let's take a quick break you're listening to an old patch radio show we'll be right back
3: In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider, you need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policy holder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to TexasMutual.com T-X-O-G-A.
1: And we're back. You're listening to an oil patch radio show. My guest today is Kent Britton, who is the CEO of the Porta Corpus Christi. Um, Kent, before the break, you were telling us about carbon capture, what you guys are focusing on, but I want to, I really want to come back to carbon capture because I think there's so many, as you mentioned earlier, there's uh, it, it's very different. Uh, carbon capture Oxy announced a big project. Their, their project looks nothing like y'all's project. You know, you're going to do some offshore, hopefully some onshore. Um, but when we talk about carbon capture and what you guys are trying to do, there's a lot of ports that um, they bring in different commodities. Uh, Houston Ship Channel has a lot of uh, containers. There's cruise ships. There's all kinds of uh, ports taking advantage of exporting, importing all the products that we need. A lot of the Port of Corpus Christi is focused on energy projects, uh, this evolution that we're seeing. So I see you guys as cutting edge, the cutting edge port when we talk about our energy needs for the future. And I guess I wanted to to just ask you, you are the new leader. You know, you're not going anywhere anytime soon. You, this is your home, right? You've been in Texas, you're a Texan, you're a South Texan, like the rest of us. Uh, but what do you see the future in the way of like in, in carbon? I mean, how important the diversity with carbon capture with, um, your hub, your hydrogen sure. hub, oil, gas. What is going to be your priority? The,
2: the carbon capture is an enabling technology for any business that wants to be here in the future, not just not just the existing businesses, which also give off uh, carbon dioxide and need to be captured and stored, but also new businesses that come here. The reality of it is that these companies' shareholders have made it clear to them, their investors have made it clear to them uh, that they expect... Expect their companies to do things differently, and so they need that solution. Um, it won't be just us that's doing it. There are many of our customers uh, here in the Port Corpus Christi that exist already. They they're going to have their own solutions for carbon capture, and um, we'll help where it makes sense, and we won't where where it doesn't. And so that's up to them to solve it. We are just trying to provide a solution that enables those companies to store that carbon when it's part of their corporate plan. Everyone's trying to get cleaner, right? As far as the energy goes. But it's allowed us, um, to attract that diversity of, of customer base and support the ones that are already here so that they continue to be here for a very, very long time.
1: Are you, uh, and I know you, you work at the delight of port commissioners, but are, <laughs> is there a, is there a, a real, uh, priority or what is, uh, what is the, uh, consensus on how to make sure that the, I mean, I'm an energy show, right? It's what we do. Right. We look focus on energy. I want to, you know, hear from you. How are, how is there a priority at the Port of Corpus Christi to make sure that oil and gas stay strong at that port?
2: Absolutely. So if you could, uh, if you could see over my shoulder right now, uh, Great Lakes Dock and Dredge, Dredge Carolina is sitting right off my left shoulder. We're finishing up the channel improvement project, which is been uh, in the works for for years. I wanted to get it, into it, that. And we will. Well, I'll give you more details on that um, when you're ready for it. But that's making this the most improved ship channel on, on the Gulf Coast. That supports our existing customers, first and foremost, and then attracts new business as well. And getting that project done is what gave the midstream companies the confidence that they could route pipelines in this direction with crude coming out of the Permian Basin. Without that assurance that they were going to have 54 feet of water here, that business would have gone somewhere else. This commission, and then directing this staff, wants to be laser focused on supporting the customers we have, first and foremost, attracting new business, um, you know, a close second. That creates new jobs for the area. That's a big investment. That's new tax base for the counties and the city um, that we work within. That's good for the entire region. So, we have to stay focused on what we do here. And I told you before, we're not a federal sponsor of the Ship Channel. That's a big deal. We commute land. That helps attract new customers. And we build and maintain the infrastructure. We have now, you know, 25 docks in the Inner Harbor that need to be evaluated to, you know, can they support 54 feet of water? And so help our customers do better on their shipping costs, which makes this entire gateway more competitive.
1: Very good. We're gonna take a, one last break. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, if you can give us an update on the desalinization, what you guys are working on, and also that the the channel improvement project that has been in the works for years and talking about what that looks like to try to get it through the federal government, um, and and all the agencies you have to to deal with as well Army Corps of Engineers, you know, just a bunch of them. They don't make y'all's job easy. Uh let's take a quick break for listening to the annual Patriot show.
4: We'll be right back. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 240-7188. Two four zero seven one eight eight Again,
1: 210-240-7188. And we're back. You're listening to an Old Patch Radio show. My guest today is Kent Britton, who is the CEO of the Porta Corpus Christi. Kent, before the break, uh, we were discussing the... Uh, some of the projects that you guys are working on carbon capture, what that looks like. And you talked about the channel improvement project. It's no secret that you guys have been widening and deepening to be able to allow larger ships to come in to deal with some of the ports traffic on these ships, probably safety as well as included in there, I would imagine. But tell our listeners a little about, first of all, let's back up and tell us about why are we widening and deepening this port? Uh, the channel improvement project has been in the years for works, has been years in the works, excuse me. Um, You guys are on the last phase of this, the fourth phase. And so give us an update start to finish. And when do we start seeing some real movement with the the final phase?
2: Sure. Uh, That's a great question. And as you said, this project has been in the works, literally, literally it was being talked about 30 years ago. And then it was first authorized by Congress 16 years ago. In order of 2007,
1: it so wasn't 30 a... years. Y'all have been working on yeah. this, working with we, the government. Yeah,
2: uh, the court recognized you know decades ago the need for a deeper channel, and it came to fruition in those intervening years with with larger, deeper draft ships. So it's important for a couple of reasons. One, it's gonna it's gonna deepen the channel, so that allows customers to move more product. It'll allow our customers on the Inner Harbor to fully load Suezmax
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, class ships. And it will allow our customers out at Ingleside Point to more fully load, not quite all the way, but more fully load VLCCs, which are the largest plastic call mm-hmm. here on the port. So that's cost saving for those guys. But we're also widening the channel. We're putting in barge shelves out on the edges of it as well. And so that's going to allow two-way traffic in parts of the bay that didn't have it before. It's also going to push those barges kind of out of the way, which will improve the safety of the barges and ships uh, interacting together. The channel improvement project has been huge. It's what convinced, uh, you know, the midstream companies that they wanted to be here. It's what brought the pipelines here out of the Permian Basin and made this, uh, the leading export port for crude oil, uh, in the entire country. Without, without that, and I'll give a lot of credit to, uh, my two predecessors, John LaRue, and Sean Strawbridge, mm-hmm. um, and to the commission as it's currently constructed and a lot of former commissioners. For being able to raise the visibility of this port such that the federal government recognized that need and was able to go um, commit that money to us, it's a lot of money. We're going to spend somewhere around $250 million of our own money. Federal government will probably, at the end of the day, put in something close to $350 million. So it's a huge project, $600 million or more. Uh, we're done with Phases 1 and 2, which means we have deeper water all the way to Ingleside, which is where our PLCC capital. Capable terminals are. They're within, they're sitting right in front of my office right now, finishing up phase three. That should be done in the next few weeks. Yep. And the contract for phase four is currently being negotiated by the Corps of Engineers um, and one of the dredging companies. And so I think that will get let um, within the next couple of months. And we should be done with phase four. So, completely improved channel at that point, all the way down to the end wow. of the inner harbor by. Fourth quarter of 2024, first quarter of 2025, somewhere
1: in that, right? Well, you know, I mean, you are a very modest man. I am very fortunate. I've known you for years. Um, but <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm smelling a Shell cover because we've had LaRue. We've had Strawbridge on the cover of Shell Magazine. But you're going to really be the one, uh, the kingmaker, if you will, <laughs> so these really great yeah. projects.
2: I haven't figured out how they're gonna stretch a ribbon all the way across the channel that someone (laughs) can go out there on a boat and cut. But uh no, I'll be the I'll be the one who gets the uh the real fortune of being able to see this project through to completion. Um, you know, I've told I've told you personally before I'm honored and humbled by by being in this role. Um only the eighth person to sit in, in this chair. And um it's a it's an important job. It's an important job for Corpus and it's an important job for the region. Um We play a key role down here in support of our customers and support of the communities that we work in. Um, roughly a third of the jobs here in this region are related to our customers and the companies that support our customers. That's, that's just, you know, that's such a huge impact. I I take that very seriously. So you're, I'm not just being modest. I, you know, I came in at a good time, but my predecessors have done a lot of groundwork in front of me
1: well i think it also and I, and i i sometimes i feel like Kim, you know the port commissioners it without they're 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 important too they have to be visionaries this is an important port for energy i support everything you guys do in the way of it's important that that our community that actually the united states understands how important y'all's port is for these reasons of all these things that are happening and you know can it's, it's it goes this way with everything that we do right you have your ups and your downs. Leaderships change, court commissioners come in, come out. But I have to say that if I was the county judge Connie Scott or the mayor uh, Paulette mahardo uh, or the commissioners, the uh, city council members, how blessed I would be to be to be a part of what's happening in providing the world its energy resources. And I know that be, you know there have been some struggles on just y'all's growth your path forward and i think now i see everything is is starting to come together i think that these elected officials really see how important that your this port is to the united states and to our global allies um and they really if i if i was the mayor i'd be out there touting it every day because i'm like yes i'm the mayor of this amazing and we have, and we have one more
2: constituency that you didn't mention which is judge Krebs over in san patricio
1: that's and right that is, he's in my, my neighborhood
2: a lot of the growth has taken place over in San Patricio the last, uh, that's right. the last. That's decade
1: right. well. well, that's the reason why I have a, you know, a really, a, you know, one of my fingers is on your port because my home is in San Pat County. So uh-huh. it, it, it does matter to me what's happening out there. And we're going to take a quick break when we return. I want to talk about the desalinization. Uh, there's a couple going on out there. I think I'd like you to get us up to speed. I want to also talk sure. though, Kent, about how much, you know, when the desal plants come online, is it enough to even provide the uh, midstream companies, operators, cut port customers? Is it enough for everyone or will there be more needed as well? Because I'm hearing numbers that more will be needed. So I want to try to get a handle on how big, you know, and how massive can the port, actually the city of, of uh, Corpus Christi get with all the construction, all the new customers that are coming into the board of Corpus Christi, and then all the service companies that have to service those companies, it's going to grow. It's going to be an amazing thing for Corpus Christi and its surrounding counties. You're listening to an old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back.
0: Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation. Ratings online. Website advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find.
1: And we're back. You're listening to an oil patch radio show. My guest today is Kent Britton, who is the CEO of the Porta Corpus Christi. Kent, before the break, uh, we covered the channel improvement project. How long it took you guys to finally get, um, the deepening widening. It's going to allow the big VLCCs, the sumacs to go through there, be able to provide more product coming in and out. This is all going to be great. It's also, I think, going to allow a lot more activity, hotbed of midstream companies, uh, upstream, downstream, energy transition projects, you name it. It's probably uh, probably overwhelming for you in the way of customers wanting to come in because there's so much promise where you are. But now let's switch gears because all these companies, up, mid, down, or customers, they need water. Um, and you guys have applied for a desal permit. Uh, so has the port of, uh, so has the city of Corpus Christi. And there was a, you know, some n- n- com- spirited competitiveness when we talked about <laughs> the desal. But my understanding is I don't have a dog in the fight, but I know we don't have enough to service all of them. So we need all the desals, in my opinion. Tell me, what are y'all working on in Corpus? Has this all been worked out? Is there enough water sure. for all of your customers?
2: No, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at customers that want to come down here, they need land, they need workers, they need water, they need power. Yeah. And so um, you'll hear that from any of them that come down here. Uh, the land and the workers, I think, we've got a good handle on. But I think, um, you know, the water and the power are going to be challenges for the providers of those services that are going to have to be addressed, you know, in the next, uh, the near term immediately, because we've got customers right now, but for the next decades to come. And it's not just a South Texas issue. It's not just a Porpoise issue. You know, the entire state is uh, is looking at water right now. Yeah, Obviously if you want large desalination facilities, they need to be probably near the Gulf of Mexico. Um, It's hard to take them out of the bays just because of the impact on the on the salinity when you put the discharge back in there. So the Gulf of Mexico makes the most sense. It doesn't have to be in Corpus, but it could be anywhere along the coast. We are working on several down here. The Port Commission passed a Memorandum of Understanding um, that kind of stated our position as how we were going to work with the city. And we're going to work with the city in a very collaborative fashion. They're the water provider for this region. Um, we do hear large numbers from these hydrogen producers. And so it's, it's conceivable that if all of these hydrogen producers end up in this region, you could consume an entire south plant's worth of output, uh, servicing those customers. The city though has a, they have a very competent water department. They've got a great city manager down here, at Peterson, only, and they're going to solve this problem and we're going to work in support. The MOU said we'll continue pushing forward on the Harbor Island facility, which is the biggest of the plants being looked at down here. So we'll continue to do permitting, which we're actively engaged in right now. We'll do pre-engineering. And then there's some structure around, um, you know, we'll, we'll work with the city then to figure out how to best finance it and make sure that it, it gets operational and solves those needs. This is not an unsolvable problem. And so I feel confident the city is going to get there on what they need. They're looking at a couple of potential V-South facilities, uh, one on the Inner Harbor and one on the Kempin Channel, which are both a little bit smaller than the one that's being proposed for Harbor Island. There is one smaller one operated by a private facility that's already here on the Inner Harbor. So this isn't an a, an unknown solution. I think they're, they're, uh, this is one component in how the city's gonna solve this, along with some infrastructure improvements you know, potentially looking at other groundwater sources, um, they've got they've got several opportunities to to uh, get in front of this.
1: I recently interviewed API's uh, one of their attorneys, Brian Myers, and API has um, I think is challenging a ruling pertaining to uh, the Biden administration wanting. To put some uh, rem- some putting some regulations on how the ships will come in and out on Gulf Coast on the Gulf Coast, and I'm just wondering. Um, well, that's another show, and I, I I know you're not prepared to answer <laughs> these questions, but is it going to affect the Port of Corpus Christi? Are you aware of what's happening at that so, level? Yeah, you know, I guess it it
2: could, and any restrictions that uh, make it harder for uh, the customers down here to do business we'll obviously want to take a look at, but we're going to do that through the structures of our trade, the trade organizations we belong to, Absolutely. Um, you know, Texas Ports Association, American Association of Port Authorities. We're happy to jump in and, and help support that. I think we want to be careful in general. Uh, a lot of the regulations that, you know, get put in place, I think are actually making it harder for things to get done that actually will support the administration's goals. So, we just yes. want to make sure, and we'll continue to work through our lobbyists that we uh, that we engage with, and with the trade organizations, to make sure that you know the federal government, the right hand, knows what the left hand is doing, and, and they don't make it actually harder to to accomplish these goals. We've had a hard time, for example, on the permitting for desal. Desal is going to enable hydrogen production, which will actually um, you know make it easier to reach the the climate goals that the administration's has set. And yeah. so we, we just want to make sure they're all working together. You know, permitting has always been an issue. We talk regularly with our legislators in Washington about how to improve permitting reform and we'll we'll keep doing that.
1: Yeah. It, and it is that, cause you, you did mention it. Well, how are you going to get your hydrogen hub if we don't have enough water? Makes sense. Same thing. You're pushing, you know, it's like a balloon. You push on one side, side it opens up <laughs> to the other side and this is the same thing because when I, it, it was, it's complicated litigation and I'm not an attorney, but at the same time, I'm like, well, if we have ships idling because they can't navigate through waters because we have a, a, a sighting of a whale, um, I, I don't see how we get ahead on the climate. If we have, uh, ships that are out there idling, waiting to come into port or, you know, Coming and going, it, so kind of defeating. Here we go, climate change in the sense of like, uh, and it just makes things worse, more congestion. So I was like, I don't know, you know, Agreed. good luck I with that. One. The, That's coming think, out of API. Hmm? Yeah,
2: I don't think there's enough look at the total impact of all of these. The knee jerk reaction to trying to solve one product problem, and we need to make sure we're considering all of the implications of potentially solving the first problem and what it might
1: do on the back end. That's a good idea. Well, Kent, that is all the time we have for this show. I, I just want to say, I'm glad that you were named. Um, I was kind of worried who would take over the port in the way of, you know, it's on a good path, in my opinion. That's just Kim Bilotto's opinion. Let's but not shit, tinker yeah. with good stuff. Um, and it's such an important port for providing our global energy needs um, and we have to uh, make sure the port, especially the port of Corpus Christi, stays strong and it's with its energy needs and it gets support that it needs. So thank you for coming on. I like your vision. Uh, good luck to you. And I'm sure you're going to be hugely successful as the new CEO of the port.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you giving me the time to talk to you.
4: In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Velotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.